Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Petards Podcast. This is Drew, the pragmatic and bleeding heart cyclops of this podcast. And I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenya the podcast. And guess who's back? The Woo! motherfucking magical Mismo, master of pilots, nobos, and spoilers. And joining us, returning hoister, Zero. Zero, would you like to say anything? Uh, just that I'm Zero. Oh, and I am happen to be trivia champion. <laughs> yes, and this is the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episode of a filmic series. Disclaimer, petard is a word, a real word, and petards are bombs. Look it up and read your Shakespeare, folks. Yep, Pilots and Petards is a proud member of the Bawaii community of podcasts. And we'd like to thank today's sponsor, the Biden Foundation, for the ad-free listening. We're hoping Dr. Biden will join us for an episode in 2019. Where did that come from? You've been gone for a little yeah. bit, Mo. We, we're <laughs> growing. Also, here's a fuck you to Crooked Media, although if that's your thing, that's fine. And here's also a fuck you for uh, Bill Maher. Okay, Bill Maher, again, if you're thrashing about the pop culture tar pit like the dinosaur that you are, feel free to just sink faster. Like, really, Bill Maher, we don't wish you any ill will. We just wish that you wouldn't constantly struggle against the growing tide of political and entertainment professionals who are more professional, better informed, more interesting, and finally more tech savvy than your salty baby boomer ass. Just go away, Bill Maher. So contact us to sponsor a show or to slander a rival. We will gladly do either for money. If you enjoyed today's ad-free listening, then you owe us. We could stack never-ending crooked ads and create sob stories about why we need your money, but we don't. So repay us by going online, check the show notes, click on the link for our survey, and you could win a $25 gift card to the company of your choice. The survey is for loyal hoisters, so to be eligible for question number one, put in your contact, email, or telephone number. We want honest feedback on the survey and the results of this survey will definitely influence the Pilots and Petards podcast moving on in 2019. If we get over 50 responses for the survey, then I think Zero or maybe Drew will be willing to sponsor another $25 oh. gift card. We will We will talk to the boss. I will consult Tori. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. New Year, who oh, it is? Oh, okay. Thanks, Zero. All right. Thanks, Zero. So you heard it there, Hoisters. 50 responses on the survey and then we will give out two $25 gift cards that's enticing folks all right welcome back hoisters this is the extended discussion for the original that first episode of westworld if you want to see a spoiler free discussion check out our previous released podcast episode and you can get a spoiler free analysis and evaluation of the original the first episode of westworld and so now we're going to dive into our second and third and fourth sections. Section two, filmic analysis and interpretation. And always, we're going to start with our crab man. This goes to a character, very little screen time, but giving large contributions either to the story or to our enjoying pleasure. And by the way, we are spoiler free. In my crab man, there is a character. His name is Hector. He is a head outlaw. When they do this cleanup. It's the hot outlaw. The Mo likes. Yeah, he's like, where's all black? Yes. Yeah, the haughty Hector. Yeah. 
the reason I have to say that he's a crab man, he's on there a little bit, but I mean, this is a long pilot. And also, he ruins Sizemore's little speech, and Sizemore is such an annoying character. So it's just nice to see Sizemore just kind of like get shit on. Jimbo was pulled to that character because he thought he was interesting. Mo, you know, thought he was hot. I saw his outfit and I just, I thought it looked uncomfortable. That was like my first thought was like, oh, so much leather and they're riding horses. And I was just like, Drew, that's he gross. is an android. I don't care. It looked uncomfortable. He's an actor too. So that was real. Well, the crab man doesn't go to an actor, sir. It goes to a sweaty man. Okay. Unless I get my say, because my uh, crab award is kind of crab adjacent to Jimbo's. Um, I really like the Scarface Lady Bandit who was in Hector's crew. I think the reason that she's like the crab woman or the crab android of this show is because a really an underlying theme of the show or the pilot was that someone like some technician or some writer takes the time to create all these people. And she just had like so many small details, like she had a scar and she was good with a rifle. And there was like some unspoken thing between her and Hector. And the significance of her was that someone took the time to create this backstory. And then, yeah, she got shot by Taurus at the very end. So I thought she gave a lot just by being a layered person that we knew nothing about. Zero, who was your crab man? Mo, keep thinking. I didn't think I was going to come up with an actual crab man until I seen Anthony Hopkins talking to Bill. And I said, that Bill's kind of a pretty cool guy, you know? So I would say that he was a guy that had added a lot to the thing, but had very little showtime. I have a different crab man. Hotness aside. No, it has Mo. nothing to do with that. What? Go with your gut, man. Go with the no, hotness. No, I don't want to. Hotness definitely contributes no. to it. And Hector ends up being a big part. Um, I'm going to say the little boy who goes out to up to Dolores and asks her if she's real. Because that kind of pushed a thought into Dolores' head that was already planted by her dad on questioning her reality and her entire world's reality. Because it came from an innocent little boy. I could be swayed towards Moe's or I'm kind of leaning towards Crabless. I can be swayed towards Moe's mostly because I did watch the first three episodes way back in the day. And then I also watched this about a week and a half ago, which is not boding well for my uh, Petard trivia tonight. But um, I couldn't remember if that scene was in this episode or a later episode. That is a good scene. And Mo, I can go with that. It's a good crab, crab child. All right, Mo, you're back and you got the crab award this time. I never get it. Woo! Crab sounds. All right, hoisters, we are going to move on. We're going to move into our MVP. This is the most valuable part of the pilot. Anything on or off screen. Go ahead, Drew. So Jimbo is going to rip on me uh, zero as he likes to do because I have a particular I – pay, I pay attention to certain parts of the pilots. But this pilot got ranked 23 out of like our 60 pilot list. But if it was rankings of theme songs and intros, this won't be number one. Oh, my God. Above One Punch Man? Barely above One Punch Man. Because One Punch Man is a lot of fun, but it doesn't necessarily serve the theory. Like, there's more storytelling about what the show's about in the title sequence than there was in the entire pilot. I love the song. It's creepy. I love how, like, playing the music is incorporated into the creepiness of the intro. I love how you just, like, see the process of, like, the androids and the clones. And you see so many things. And it's so creepy and... I say creepy a million times, but it, it very much is. I love the uh, title sequence, and I think that it adds so much more to the pilot. Like, the title sequence did more for the pilot than the pilot did for the pilot. Thoughts? Totally true. And I 
in general, that just sparked thought that I had when I was watching it today was the soundtrack is actually really good. And the the scene when they go in and shoot everybody, they, it was the Rolling Stones. Painted black. Um, and then there was a couple other scenes where I, was, I never noticed the first time I watched the series that they do a lot of covers like that. Black Hole Sun they had in there as well. I was waiting for Jimbo to talk about the music. He's usually the music man. Right. Yeah, the intro was cool. I think Drew's giving it a little too much credit as far as storytelling, but it, but it's a very solid intro. Because there's not much going on in the intro, but still you're listening to it and watching how they make these robot humans, and it's entrancing almost. Because it's long. It's definitely doing some world building. I'll give you that, Drew. I even like the things that the the, the androids do, because like, you see the androids being created from like the ground up, and then you see them having sex, or you see like an android horse being created, or you see them playing a piano without their fingers. So, I mean, you kind of understand like the complexity and the attention to detail that they put in. So, like, I think if it was a different, if it was a more action-packed oriented um, intro, I don't think I would have believed the show. Because I think they're doing some of the heavy lifting of like, here's how we actually make the androids. And they show it every time. So that's why I thought it was strong. Zero, what do you got? When uh, the fly lands on Dolores' Abernathy's face and she kills it. That was a good part. Very foreshadowing. I actually think I'm going to switch my MVP to that because that is a very strong scene and almost gave me enough to want to watch that next episode. Had I had it not been so late the first time we watched it, I think I may have watched the second episode. Like it shows you that that she is not following the rules and that she's evolved as well. So like that's a huge thing for the story. Yes, it is. To spin off that, I guess my most valuable part is all the kind of strong female leads and characters ranging from, you know, is it Mav? Maeve? Maeve? I think it's Maeve. Yeah. The tattooed face chick just busts out a rifle. I just liked all the female roles. Um, and because I know how they all unfold and that May was my favorite, it just holds the whole story together is the story being told from these women robots. And one of the strongest real people is Teresa Cullen. That was my original MVP, but then I switched it. All right. So from there, I think we can dive deeper maybe into some of these plot points or characters in our literary analysis and there's a few that i have drew do you want to start us off i can lead off of what mo was saying i think the portrayal of women in this pilot was very interesting all the violence isn't just being committed against women and that like violence against women is hard to show but it's still kind of like part of like the old west life and so uh, this show did a good job, in my opinion, of kind of balancing, like, the use of violence with storytelling because it's pretty cavalier, especially for the first episode because they're kind of establishing that universe. The violence is being is being portrayed on, on these hosts, these androids. So does that, does that kind of desensitize it? Or we meet Dolores and then she's raped and her family's killed, but she's not a real person. I think it's like a social commentary on the fact that humans want to gravitate towards that tendency of chaos and this park allows them to commit that without the moral implications of that but also you could easily argue that it does imply a lot about the person who wants to go in and rape someone or murder someone and think it's like more from that end you feel connected to that over just caring about robots being murdered and raped. Yeah, I think one of the shallower illusions of the pilot is the whole Rorschach test thing. Like, you determine where your morality is or, like, what you will do because there are no consequences. I don't necessarily know how we're supposed to emotionally respond to, like, the man in black raping Dolores, but I think we're learning a lot about his character 
you know, even if she's an android and she's not like a fully sentient human. All right, Jimbo, last word. You get to pick one. We all picked one. Who is the protagonist? It seems like it's Dolores in the pilot. Dolores. Mm-hmm. And she's not a real Maybe. person. I mean, that doesn't matter for the plot. It's fiction. Oh, Mo, you can say about everything we watch then. Why should we care yeah. about a non-sentient being in this world? <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about as part of humanity. I'm talking about just the plot itself of a show, of any kind of entertainment series. If it's fiction, we don't care as viewers whether they're sentient beings or not. But are you asking like in a philosophical way? No, I think I do. You think you do care about them? About robots? Well, I think I think Jimbo cares if they are robots because this whole pilot, like we kind of knew who was robots and who wasn't. And so I didn't get mega invested in anybody because like Dolores had that shitty day three times. By the third time she had that shitty day, I didn't care as much. She's going to have at least probably another 30 or 40 years worth of shitty days. She's She's written to have shitty days. What do you think about that, Mo? Yes, I see what you're saying. But as far as the plot goes, obviously something's going on with her where you're interested in maybe she'll find a way to break her code. You know what I mean? How long did it take you guys when you watch a series to figure out was he was he a host or was he? I think Ed Harris's character teeters the line a little bit. When the first time I watched it, I didn't know if the man in black was a host or a player. That was very confusing. But I think he's the antagonist, and Dolores is a protagonist. He definitely seems to be the antagonist. And then there's the stuff going on outside of the Westworld. And there's definitely some things going on with the management or the, you know, the shareholders and the, and the, I guess, the engineers. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's so much intrigue here. I mean, there's so much stuff to be interested in. But there's no, like, one thing to really pull you in. Yeah, one thing we talked about off mic um, was Jimbo mentioned that like this is this is a pilot where they knew they had HBO money, they knew there was going to be ten episodes. They probably filmed the whole season before they put the pilot out. I imagine, although that's not based on any research. So, I think that's safe to say. I mean, you have Christopher Nolan and J.J. Abrams. They're not going to work on a project that might not happen. I think that that's part of it. All right, so we are going to step into section three. We're going to go outside the pilot episode. We're going to talk about some themes or topics that aren't really related to anything that happened in the original. To the stage, we introduce the Stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. Drew, you got any Stormy news for us? Yeah, um, Stormy is getting countersued by Trump. Um, We don't know where it's going, but uh, Michael Avenatti is hopefully exiting stage right. Goodbye, Michael Avenatti. Um, I never wanted you to run for president in 2020. <laughs> Kamala Harris 2020 you heard her here first you think so that's what we want my wife wants the old white guys to go away so Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders goodbye all right so snap hoist you know just just a does it matter yes or no does it matter if characters in the stuff you read or watch are real or not or sentient or robots it should not in my opinion in the way I I don't think it matters um, I don't think it matters because that's often part of like their arc, you know, their story arc. Like not a lot of like robots like begin the story, like questioning their sentience and then end it also not becoming sentient. So like Terminator or Data on Star Trek or I don't know, if I had more time, I could think of more like robots who gain sentience. Uh, I think that that's part of their story arc. And so I think that it matters in that it affects it's like the, the starting point of their growth. Jimbo, Snap Hoist, you you tell us. I mean, if they transition, then then yes, they could 
gain it, but yeah, but yeah, I don't care about robots. Zero. I I don't know. Sometimes I think uh, I I'd, I'd rather be an android than uh, a host than uh, the guest. There's a lot of weird moral ambiguity in terms of like the robots in the Star Wars universe. Like that's explored a little bit in Solo, like the relationship that Lando has with his android, and then I think it's better. That that they don't explore those questions in that universe. I'm fine with that, Jimbo. I'll put that in there. Yeah. It's like Castaway when he cries when he loses his volleyball. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. It's just emotional. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't feel bad for the volleyball. You feel bad for Tom Hanks' character. I kind of felt bad for the volleyball. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, you did not. I did. That was a That was a character in the story, man. I always kind of wanted them to be reunited at the end. It didn't happen. Spoiler like he alert. just Hoisters <laughs> make fun of Drew on Twitter. Hey, he's just sensitive Fuck guy. You, Drew has all. emotions, and also I'm getting a little bit. Thinking about that scene. <laughs> you're you're that scene. up here. <laughs> a little emotional. I think what we dinged about this pilot um, was that it was all tease. Like we couldn't really find the central conflict. You know, like this was a pilot that we seemed to like a lot, but we didn't rank it very high. I'm looking at the top ten, or maybe even we should look at the bottom ten. Can you guys think of another show that may have benefited from this type of pilot? Like, is there a world that we visited where you could have put an hour in of just exploring the world, like not even learning about the conflict, but just like getting to know it? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking around. The Shield kind of jumps out to me because, like, I would watch an anthology about like the characters of the Shield without there being an actual conflict or like a unifying theme. What do you guys think? Or a show in general? Maybe not even a pilot we've watched. What kind of world would you spend an hour in and not kind of be annoyed? So, like, there's Breaking Bad. There's One Punch Man. My name is Earl. I feel like I feel like Jimbo could just wander through the My Name Is Earl town for an hour. <laughs> I mean, I have. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. I don't want to go back. I don't want to like hang on the Handmaid's Tale world longer than. I would. I would be murdered. I mean, I don't want to hang out in any world if there's no conflict and there's no story. Like, why? We kind of liked this. I mean, we were fine with Westworld. You almost watched the, like, the the conflict in the story came in the last 60 seconds. And you said if you'd watched it earlier, you would have watched another episode. So, But it's there. It's just not developed well. Ooh, maybe uh, Cobra Kai. That show was, like, very corny and, like, full of just, like, inside jokes. So maybe I could check that one out. Maybe Barry. I don't know. That's a weird world. It is a weird world. I'd be down to explore Buffy's Buffy's world. Vampires and witches. I don't. I wouldn't want to be in any kind of conflict anywhere. All right. On that note, is there a big difference between raping an android and teenagers like punching women while while they play Grand Theft Auto? Mm. No. That was a dangling thread that you vetoed, Jimbo. But <laughs> but it ties into the actual story. It does. What are you going to say, Mo? I mean, my impulsive response to that would be, no, they're they're not different. It's showing the same tendencies, I guess. I would say there's some distinction just because the android is so authentic looking for like a human. Like, like that has to contribute a little bit, at least. Yeah, and it's not you physically doing it. It's a virtual space. Correct. It's pressing buttons. Which goes a long way. In most of the movies that I've seen, that had androids. I thought androids weren't supposed to have any emotions or feelings or stuff like that. But this contradicted the whole thing that I believed that. Kind of like how they were able to turn them on and off, turn on and off the emotion. Because we got a we got a little bit of a look into the android aspect of them when they were programming them or interviewing them or whatever. 
Yeah, I think I think most people would say that they aren't feeling emotions. They aren't they you know, they might be displaying emotions for like a show. But it's it's all code. Of course there's some breaking of that, like in the story. Like that's that's what's gonna I think that's what's gonna be the deep conflict. The reveries. Alright, uh Jimbo, you got this. What is that dangling thread? So there was a recent article. There was some competition about writing proteins. And Google made an AI that was able to, you know what, I didn't write the exact thing, but I think they wrote 23 or 25 proteins and the next best AI only wrote three. So, I mean, this idea of like machines making androids as real as the Westworld might not be that far away. I mean, we already have machines that are that are able to make, to teach themselves how to make proteins. That's kind of a, a, a little bit of a wild idea. I would combine that with the news that came out this past week that the first genetically modified child was born in China. Ew. Yep. That's scary. What did they genetically modify the... Scientists went in and messed with the chromosomes. I mean, probably the sex, right? Do they? Did they say? Uh, they, they did not get specific. They did not want to reveal too much information, but they did go in and modify the chromosomes. And And just kind of a side note... News from China is always taken with a few grains of salt as well. That is true. I saw it in enough news organizations that I have trust with that I kind of read into it and looked at it. But Jimbo, I know that there are no news organizations that you trust. Side note, Fitz, look up the original news source from China. I wouldn't be surprised if it was from a government-controlled news. Aren't all all news companies in China controlled by the government? Unless like... Reddit. My point exactly. <laughs> okay. Mo, what do you think about this AI question? I mean, it's not really a question. It's just, I mean, this idea that we are getting closer to potentially making a West world. I think just because of everything that my dad just went through and like I've, and I've witnessed the wonders of technology and science and advancement and how it can be life-changing. I think I'm viewing it in that perspective, like, wow, maybe they can start creating organs and you know, starting in those basics. And I think that will give it a lot of enough support from the, the, you know, as part of a greater good um, versus what Westworld is, which is, you know, totally immoral. Shout out Papa Maz. We love you. I think it'd be kind of cool. And I think it's an important step for science to advance towards. It would be interesting to step outside of the Westworld world and see the real world there because who I mean, who knows? Maybe they eliminated disease and everyone has good health and there's abundance of wealth. And that's why they can have such a huge plot of land for like adult Disneyland. Right. I'd be interested to see a piece of fiction or some kind of work that's like positive on AI, because I feel like almost overwhelmingly the story is technology gets out of control. AI gets away from us and it like exterminates humanity. Humanity kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Uh, we're not really good to each other, and quite a few th- bad things have come from humanity. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would be pretty interested to see like some fiction or like some positive aspects of AI because if the world's going to be uninhabitable if we don't change anything by 2040, humans aren't going to last much more than like four or five generations. So like, what does that mean for like robots inheriting the Earth? Possibly. Look at uh, the cars that uh, with driverless cars. They've already had accidents. And that's something that you would think that they wouldn't produce. Isn't that the same as like Westworld, your your project going bad, sour, and you got no control over it? I mean, you know, is the car smarter than the driver? Or? 
But there's at least some evidence that the driverless cars produce less accidents than actual human drivers. Making omelets, breaking eggs, metaphor. Back to your original question, Drew. Japan. I don't have a specific story off the top of my head, but the Japanese have a way more positive relationship with this idea of robots. I would be very shocked if they didn't have an abundance of literature with a positive spin on robots. It's very much a cultural thing. One of my um, roommates in Brooklyn, her focus was AI boyfriends or AI girlfriends or AI lovers. And that this whole world of AI and this at, to this extent will be like will come through that that kind of channel of people exploring love. And sorry, when you mentioned Japan, Jimbo, I just thought of that because I think that there is a lot of that. There's like sex robots. and <laughs> Why not? Safer. Exactly. And it's just companionship for maybe people that can't find companionship with humans. It, you can program it to do exactly what you want. Kind of like being married. Nice. There is an age gap um, problem in Japan where um, they are not having enough kids to like support financially like the older generations. Um, and interestingly enough, um, the United States is not quite there, but the um, birth rate in the 1980s was 2.6 um, children per family unit. In 2017, it was 1.8. So we're not at that same place. And it's not like we have sex robots and like sex girlfriend, or I guess we do have sex girlfriends, but um, girlfriend robots in America, to my knowledge. Um, I don't know. How, how do you guys think that would affect like our progression as a, as a species if we were able to like take that companionship away? I think you're adding companionship. You mean eliminating the possibility of procreation? Yeah. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, me too. If you're married and you have sex with a robot or an android, Is would that cheating? be infidelity? <laughs> what do you guys think? It's a very good question, Zero. Better ask Jesus. <laughs> I'm saying yes. No, but ask your spouse. Well, I mean, I'm not asking my spouse, but I'm thinking about my spouse. Um, yes, I would not be happy if there was like robot booty calls. I don't think I would care. I don't know. I think it's just wanting to get yours and you get to design this perfect looking person that you can have sex with. That's kind of awesome. Why not? <laughs> I'm all for it, Mo. <laughs> no, that's a terrible thing to say. You're married. It's just a robot. I'm all for it. Why not? It, may, it might make your marriage stronger by letting them just go out and do their get it out of their system and fuck Angelina Jolie. Go out, Mo. Like, their sex robot is in the closet. It's all about safety. I'd rather have him cheat with the AI than a prostitute. Or, I'm sorry, sex worker. Sorry. Your partner's going to get the electronic clap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> get a bad chip. <laughs> we ended on electronic venereal diseases. Like, we can't top that. Yeah, that was a solid closing question, Zero. Should we do trivia? Trivia time? Trivia time. I... I know Zero's bragging out over here. And I would like to uh, tell you guys that I was completely unprepared for this. What? You watched the pilot like five times. No. Okay, I only found out about this just like the last time. But the last time I, <laughs> I was unprepared, I took the championship. I wasn't going to put my trophy and my, my, my uh, number one bling on the table because I thought I was, you know, wasn't prepared. And then I, then I thought about it, and I says, well, that's not really fair. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to uh, put my trophies on the table. Wow. All right, Hoisters, you, you zero. This is a you. championship three-way Royal Rumble winner 
is going home with a petard trivia bling and trophy. It's not how the Royal Rumble works, but I get it. Yeah, come on. Not, not the that Royal Rumble has them. 30 people. Battle Royale, Drew? Yes, Battle Royale is a better one. Three-person yeah. Battle Royale, excuse me. Yeah, that, that's more politically correct. Royal Rumble is not politically incorrect. It's just incorrect. Touche. All right, so Hoisters, we have a championship match here. Moe's buzzer is going to go like this. Ding, ding, ding. Zero's buzzer is going to go like this. Beep. Drew's buzzer is going to go like this. Messy. Nice. We will have five questions. I don't have any multiple choice. The tiebreaker question will come down to true or false if need be. So for one point, question number one. What animals are shown on screen during the first episode? Ding, ding, ding. Mo. Name as many animals? I would only name the ones on screen. A horse, a bull, a fly, um, a chicken. No, maybe not a chicken. Yeah, I would say the fly, the horse, a bull. That's all I can think of. So there's so there's a potential steal here. Beep. Zero. Horse. Uh, there was cattle. There was the fly. And there was... Oh, darn it. Ooh, can I add one? Can I add one? Nope, nope. That's not how trivia works. Why? But you guys got to add to mine. Uh, You went first. You buzzed in. You know, live by the sword, yeah, not by I the sword. Ha- I, I haven't so far. I, I lost track here of what I was going to say. All right, Joe, wrap it up. You're running out of time. Okay, I'm out of time. <laughs> messy, messy, Drew, messy. for the steal. Okay, horse, bull from the intro, fly from the end, pig from the farm. Can I add one more? Right, Mo's going to get that point. What's the other one you missed, Mo? Is there um, a hawk of sorts? You guys, a human. Come on. Oh, that's dumb. Oh, that's a trick question. It's an that's animal. A trick. That's tricksy. Mo got the point. Mo, Mo got the point. What were the animals? List them. Horse, fly, cow, human. That is, that's a trick. That's, a, that's almost like a riddle. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Trick question. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah. Fellow hoisters don't know that humans are animals. We like to You're distinguish ourselves. Okay. From the mammal kingdom. That's your guys' problem. Question number two. Mo has a 1-0 lead. How many Shakespeare quotes are used by Dolores' first dad? Ding, ding, ding. So I'm looking for a number. Closest answer. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to say at least two because I can think of two. Messy. Messy. Beep. Okay. Thank you, Mo. Drew's going to come in. Zero was the last to beep in. Um, let's go Macbeth and Tempest. All right, Zero. One. All right, Drew's going to get that answer. Woo! The correct answer was five. There's two from King Lear. You have Henry the Fourth, the Tempest, and Romeo and Juliet. Can I take my trophies off the table? No. Too late, no zero. zero. Too late, Zero. <laughs> you put it on, man. You can't take it off now. Question number three. Oh, you shouldn't have said that, Zero. Teresa Colon says that Westworld means something to three different groups of people. Who are those three? Messy. Zero's the first to beep in. No, he wasn't. I was the first. I'm sorry, man. I kind of heard him first. What the? Mo. Mo? Get my back. No, I heard him. I was almost at the same time. I'm going to give our champion the the benefit of the doubt. Excuse me, Drew. All right, Zero. (laughs) Uh, The management. Chaos. The shareholders, 
Uh, how many do I have to give? You're missing one. Messy. Uh oh. All right, zero is out of time. Drew, can you steal it? Uh, management, shareholders, guests, slash clients. Drew's going to get that point. Zero. Oh, what you were it? so close. The what guest. But he, but but zero got two out of the three. He did. I was looking for three of the three. All right. Question number four. According to Ford, what is the one tool that evolution has used to forge all life on Earth? Messy. Drew. Patience. That is incorrect. Yeah, he t- he mentions one tool that evolution has used to forge all life on Earth. Ding ding ding. Mo curiosity in the mind that is incorrect zero can you come in for the steal no mistake oh oh come on you guys you talked about that all right last question that was a wash that was a wash let's make this one two points we're tied right now right drew has a two one zero lead we're gonna make this last question two points Ooh. not yet what significance does the phrase deep and dreamless slumber. Oh, go ahead, Zero. These violent delights with vi- have violent ends. That's not the question I asked. They, but I was thinking. I was thinking hard of that quote, Zero. I'm glad you said it. Can you read the question again, Jimbo? What significance does the phrase "deep and dreamless slumber" have in the Beep. in the episode? Sorry, Zero. Messy. You had your chance. Drew. Uh, that is the code word that the programmers use to bring the hosts in and out of consciousness. That is correct. Drew is going to get that point. Nice. And that was Drew a guess. came away with a 4-1-0 wow. victory. Zero. I'm the champion. Oh, my gosh, man. I'm the champion. I Zero. thought I was more than fair by putting my trophies on the, on the table. That was brave. To give everybody a fair You chance. can earn it back. Very, you can very earn it back. honorable. Unprepared. Zero, you, you, have, you have the right of the rematch. Name and place. This is the first time I've ever lost. Wow, man. That is not true. Why? You've lost a bunch of times. No, I didn't. <laughs> you were the number one contender, though. <laughs> yes, you have. Come on, Mo. Oh. You're not a listener. Like, you know, that's correct. But you definitely lost. You lost to Drew. Ari, beat, Ari destroyed you, man. Just beat the crap out of you. That is true. I do remember that. Whatever. It's okay, Mo. It's nice that you're a champion in your <laughs> mind. All right, Hoisters. So now we're going to move into our shop talk. And if you can't tell by the plugs I'm about to announce, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more things. Zero has a couple things to share. We have the true story of how Zero broke his leg with the surfboard. I'm sorry, Hoisters. I'm sorry, Sebastian. I had a few of the details wrong. But Zero's going to clear that up. I haven't heard the story at all, so... We would like to thank Jake Drew for our intro and outro music. If you would like any intro or outro music, you may contact Jake Drew. There's a link to him in the show notes. Also, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, join our Facebook group, and follow our blog. Go to Twitter right now, put in at Petard's Pilots, and follow me. This this account is going to be our official business-only Pilots and Petard's account, and this is what's going to draw in Dr. Biden. So come out there. Follow us and help us get Dr. Biden. Uh, you can also check us out at bowythopodcast.com. We post our episodes there, and I write movie reviews. I review Dr. Strange, the animated movie from 2007. It's good. It might be better than Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange. Jimbo, did you watch it yet? I tried, man. I couldn't get through it. Uh, uh, no. Oof. Not for you. Mo, got anything to plug? Nope. 
Okay, so so last week I accused Sebastian of breaking Zero's foot with a surfboard. Zero and Zero was very quick to text me and tell me that I had it all wrong. So Zero, can you clarify what happened? Yeah, I I, I told Jim that I wanted him to uh, tell Sebastian that he did not break my foot. He dropped off the surfboard at my house. And when I went to pick up the surfboard to put it in the backyard after he had left, I tried to have my wife help me with me, help me with the surfboard. And she says, uh, oh, you're a big sissy. You can pick up that surfboard by yourself and all this kind of stuff. So I went to pick it up. Uh, I don't know if you guys are surfers or not, but I got kind of short arms <laughs> and it didn't reach all the way around the surfboard and it slipped out of my hand and landed on my foot. Oh. And it brought tears to my eyes. And the, f- the funniest part of the story is, my wife called me Big Sissy, and she carried the surfboard in the backyard. <laughs> oh, snip snap. Mrs. Zero is the true villain of the story. Jimbo wanted me to uh, give a brief uh, thing about when the first day I met Mo. Uh, he he texts me, and he says, oh, I have some people from the Peace Corps going to be driving to Seattle. So I told him they could stay at your house. So, you know, he still has his room here. So I said, yeah, I'll put him in the room, no problem. And I thought it was kind of... Uh, a coincidence that the person that he was talking about in the Peace Corps happened to live in the same town as as Mo. So uh, I asked Jim, I says, hey, uh, is that Mo? And he says, yeah. So I would, I'm all excited now, right, because I just always was dying to meet her. So uh, I, the, she says, okay, we're, you know, she texts me and says, we're not going to be able to stay overnight, but she texted me too late for that because I already sent the wife out to buy all kinds of whores divorce. We had beer, wine, <laughs> cigarettes, and everything like that. And you know, and then she calls oh, me man, up. Man, I missed out. <laughs> and and then she says, we're, 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 "We're you know in Rogue River, you know, which is about fifteen miles away." So I went out in my garage and uh, I, I was smoking uh, my pipe, and uh, her and Tommy pull up, and uh, I asked. Tom, if he wanted a beer, and he says, oh, yeah, you know, so he was having fun drinking his beer, and I asked Mo, I says, hey, you want to hit, you know, and I, I forgot to tell her that it was Honest John's Chronic. I mean, this is this stuff Ooh, is goodness. like one one hit, and, you're, you know, you, you, you can't walk no more, and so me and Mo are out there passing the pipe around and everything like that. She didn't want nothing to drink. She didn't want nothing to eat. I was saving myself for In-N-Out, remember, Zero? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that. Well, that's it. As soon as she, right after she got there, she says, well, "We got to go, man. I'm just Jones, and I got to go to the In and Out. I got to go to the In and Out." It I was said, the chronic. Food here, you know. <laughs> I got to go to In and Out. And and I would like to say that me and Drewbert kind of go back a long ways. In fact, we're in the room he used to stay when he used to come during the summers. This this was the room he stayed in, and they. I remember him and Jimmy would be on the couch and they'd have their lightsabers and their uh, Drew would have a Darth Vader helmet and Jimmy would have a Stormtrooper helmet, you know, and they'd take them pictures and they got little toys with them and everything like that. And then uh, uh, we go out in the shed. I says, come on, you want to see some Star Wars stuff? I says, come out in my shed. And he's going through all my Star Wars stuff. And he says, wow, man. He says, you got a lot of good Star Wars stuff. And <laughs> he says, I always wanted a hand Solo and Carbonite. And I reached inside my box and I handed him one, and yes. you could see these little tears coming out of his eyes. It was <laughs> it was so emotional, you know. But I mean, he just you know it was like Santa Claus giving him something, you know. 
because I'm in touch with my emotion zero. I'm like Jimbo, <laughs> who doesn't care about people's connections to things, both physical and non-physical. That's why he hates androids. I remember I that zero. I appreciate you. I just don't care if they're raped on a TV show. We'll put that on a box for our show. So wrong. All right, Mo. Do you do you want do you want to add anything to that story? Zero Zero gave a really great telling of of our first meeting. It was great though, and I loved. I got an awesome toy too. He pulled out a Mo from the Three Stooges and a little a little figurine. And he he mentioned, and I don't think you ever told me Zero that one you you and um, Jimbo were had a bet that I wouldn't know who it was. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. And he won the bet. You knew who it was, but. Uh, yeah, that was that, that was that was a nice experience. Yeah, maybe maybe one weekend we'll drive down while Jimbo's in town. Well, you only got a couple of days to go. Yeah, but, maybe next time. You know, I wasn't I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say tell the story about our first meeting, and then Jimbo wanted me to you know tell the story, and I said I might that you know she might get offended by that because I'm kind of putting her business on the street. Oh no, I don't care. But then I figured anybody called motherfucking marvelous miss mo the and i says what the fuck does she care if anybody <laughs> knows she smoked pot you know i did I get I really high though. reputation no no that chronic was strong because i was supposed to drive from there to portland and then i had to tell tommy to drive because i was like i'm really high like i don't know if i can drive <laughs> <laughs> so he was honest, all annoyed at John me that have... he, well not he, he was fine driving but he was like you said you were driving i'm like i'm high i can't <laughs> Honest John brings the the power. Honest John brings the strain. That's very true. All right, Hoisters, on that note, I think it's that time where we uh, say goodbye. Every day I'm hoisting. Zero out. Oh, and it, hey, it was a pleasure, man. I mean, this was a real honor just to, to be with you guys again. It brings back old times, you know what I mean? Every day we hoistling. Jimbo out. Every day I'm hoistling. Drew out. Every day we hoistling. Mo out. And Drew, I like uh, I like your your facial hair. <laughs>